Welcome to the Culture of Things podcast with Brendan Rogers. This is a podcast where we talk all things culture, leadership and teamwork across business and sport. Hello everybody, I'm Brendan Rogers, the host of the Culture of Things podcast and this is episode 38. Today I'm talking with Robert Bacon and Taylor Barnard. Robert and Taylor were the 2020 school captains at Central Coast Grammar School. I've had the privilege of working with both Robert and Taylor over this past year. We've talked about so many things related to their leadership journey and their experiences as school captains of one of the most prestigious schools on the Central Coast. We wanted to bring this journey to life in a podcast episode to help other current and aspiring young school leaders but also people working with young leaders to reflect on how we can work together to achieve great outcomes. In saying that, I know through first-hand experience of working with Robert and Talem how much our young people can open up our minds and help us older generations to view the world through a different lens. The focus of our conversation today is learning from Robert and Talem about their school leadership experience. Robert, Talem, welcome to the Culture Things podcast. Thank you for having us, yeah, Thank you for having us today, yeah. Absolute pleasure. And you guys have recovered from some sense of schoolies? Not yet. Not yet. We're actually just about to go on schoolies. Oh, wow. That's next week. Oh, I'm so glad I got you beforehand. (laughs) Taylor, let's start with you. Just tell us a little bit about yourself, hobbies, interests, background. Of course. I love swimming. I swim quite a lot as a competitive swimmer. My entire family is from South Africa besides myself I am the only Aussie in my entire family (laughs) I've got two dogs at home they're long-haired chihuahuas I love them to bits they're getting a bit old now and I play three musical instruments I quite enjoy music thank you for sharing Robert how about yourself mate unlike Taylor I'm an Aussie with Aussie heritage but uh my mum is from England so I do have some other heritage as well I'm not just Australian for a long time in my life been into building and that kind of stuff and I work as a handyman and done that throughout school and mowing lawns and all that kind of stuff so I enjoy that a lot I am also a keen cricketer so I'm very into my cricket so that's about the much sport as I do but that's a bit about me Excellent. Well, I guess this time of year is a good time of year. Taylor loves the swimming and is is doing very well. You love your cricket. Summer's fantastic, right? Yeah, Mm -hmm. cricket starts on Friday, so that's always good. Absolutely. Let's get into the the topic, really just you guys sharing your experiences around this school leadership, this school captain journey that you guys have just been on. How about you first tell us, Robert, I'll throw to you, why did you even want to take on and put yourself in the ring for a school leadership opportunity? I think I've always been involved with leadership activities from a young age, stuff through junior school and that kind of stuff and I've always enjoyed doing that having that responsibility and taking on that role of leadership and I I think over the years I feel as if I'm a good leader and I've always enjoyed doing that kind of stuff so that's mainly why I went forward for the role of school captain and uh, I've enjoyed every minute of it. Taylor what's what's your perspective on that why did you want to take up something like this this opportunity? Well, similar to Rob, I had previous leadership roles within and within the school community and outside. I believe that I've got the drive and determination 
to become a good leader and I'm comfortable with taking on the challenging situations and taking on the responsibility of a challenging situation and I also believe I I lead by example. I'm a strong believer that your behaviour outside should mirror your behaviour behind doors at home. That's how you kind of establish respect. So if you respect someone, they would respect you. So I guess I just follow a few moral traits and I think that's gotten me along as a truthful, honest person. Robert, I'm going to go back to you. What do you think had prepared you quite well for the role of school captain through this? You know, stuff that maybe happened in your journey in year 11 or even prior to that in your schooling journey, but even in your personal journey. I definitely think that I had a strong role in the school productions, especially like backstage and all that kind of stuff. And I took on a leadership role there at quite a young age compared to everyone else. And leading some of your cohort, especially at a younger age, especially in year 10, is quite difficult. And you definitely learn a lot from that. And I think that over those few experiences I've had there, I've had the opportunity to make a lot of the mistakes that you make early on and that sort of I think that gave me a good grounding to be able to work with and lead my peers especially which is not always easy so I think that was the main thing I've also I've had various incidental other roles at school working with my peers in leadership roles and I think that's it's all been very beneficial to help me with the role of school captain. Was there anything outside your school environment that you felt may have contributed to what you think was a successful year in leadership for you? Yes, I attended RIPEN, the Rotary Youth Program of Enrichment, I think that is, in year 10, which is a leadership weekend kind of thing. And I think that definitely on a subconscious level was very beneficial in developing my leadership skills, definitely. Taylor, what about you? In your experience at school and otherwise outside of school, what do you think's helped you be the leader that you've been through this year? Well, my previous experiences had been in year 11, I got captain of the first netball team at school and it was unheard of for a year 11 student to get a captain ro- captaincy role in the school netball team, any team. So I was the first year 11 to get that role, which was a great confidence boost because that had been the first captaincy role I had gotten within Santa Coast Grammar School and then I went then followed on to get the same role again this year but unfortunately COVID kind of cut us short a little bit but we got a few games in here and there. I also captain of the swim team at school. Outside of school I had not a captaincy or like a titled role but within our the swim club that I represent for swimming there's a lot of little kids coming up throughout the levels of squad And during competitions or training or anything like that, I would help out if I don't have an event, you know, they would, they, cause they're so young and those carnivals can get very crazy. You know, I'd help them out and I'd just be a little bit of a guide or if they're stressed or anxious or anything, give them a bit of a pep talk, you know, just get in the water, swim your best, you'll do fine. And I also think the upbringing I've had at home. I think it's a little bit different to most households, but because I was very independent growing up, so I kind of learned my own strengths and weaknesses myself at, at an early age. So I've just carried that through and strengthened it. Let's go into a bit of those strengths and weaknesses because some time ago, early in our talks and, and involvement through the year, we put you guys through a profiling tool and you guys are very different people. 
So how about, Talem, your profile was S, steadiness. Yes. Now, how do you see that playing out your strengths, first of all? I can't quite remember what this S stood for, but I know that I still got the sheets of paper and all that at home. It was really helpful exercise. I need to look over that actually. It stands for steadiness. Yeah, steadiness, which is 100% correct because I feel I'm more of an approachable person, very open-minded, accepting of any, anything of what anyone wants to say. I kind of always think before I say to think of the best possible answer and I'm quite confident in what I would do. I would never shy away from a challenge or anything like that. Like I said before, I'm very like driven and determined. And Robert, let's talk about what you see as some of your strengths because your profile was the D style, yep. which is more dominant. And again, I have to remind our listeners that there's no style that's better or worse than the other. Yep. They're just a different style that we have. Tell us a bit about your strengths and what you learned through that process of this understanding the dominant in you. I think I've always known for a while that I was very much a, a dominant leader to characterise it that way. And I think that kind of, it really helped me to f- understand how to utilise that the best because just going in and, because you can be a dominant leader and you can be bossy and you can be overbearing and everything or you can be a dominant leader and be very driven and focused and, you know, get the best out of everyone. So I think that really helped me to understand how to use my leadership personality the best which I think was extremely helpful and also working with Taylor we both knew what our strengths and our weaknesses were and we were able to work together I think better as a team because we knew that how to complete certain tasks together or certain things that had to be done it was better if her or I approached them or we worked together or whatever it really helped us to understand how to work together but also how to best for me to utilise my personality to get the best out of what you were trying to achieve. We complemented each other really yeah. well. When you learnt that about yourselves, now you maybe knew some of it already, but I guess there was a bit of paper to justify or support some of your thinkings and feelings. Taylor, how did this team of yourself, this duo of school captains, how did you find that corresponding strengths and weaknesses work for you guys? And even if you've got an example where it worked. Yeah, of course. Well, Rob is more so the you get the job done kind of guy, which is really good because there's no ifs or buts. There's no like fluff here and there. Maybe we do this, maybe we do that. We kind of discuss it, lay all the options out on the table, Rob's, and we'll kind of make the decision. And if there's a bit of grey area, Rob will kind of be like, no, nah, we got to get rid of that. This is what's happening. And I thought that was really, really good because that complimented me really well because I think of – every possible situation that could go and kind of suss out what could be the best option. But sometimes that takes too long and we don't have that time. So I think we complement each other really well in that situation. Whilst on the other hand, he's a bit more direct. So when I say direct in approaching something, I think he doesn't so much think about the emotion behind it. Whilst I'm more the empathetic one that is a bit more open-minded. People are more comfortable, I think, to talk about problems or anything to me yeah so it kind of works hand in hand because we both get the job done well but at the same time we don't leave any open doors or any feelings hurt in the background because obviously not not everyone's going to agree to a situation or or to 
initiative or anything like that. You're going to always have that one or two odd people standing out saying, I don't want to do this. But instead of them turning on us or even though they might have hard feelings towards us, I feel like we still get the job done, but at the same time, not burning any bridges. That's how I feel we complement each other and work hand in hand. How about you, Robert? How have you felt that the the character traits of both of you have really complemented each other and worked well from your perspective? Yeah, I think it was really beneficial to firstly learn about and do that profiling because without being informed about how we work together and how what motivates us and everything, you would see me as the, the bossy one who's always taking control and Talon's the one who kind of fluffs around and worries about things that don't need to be worried about. But when you look at that further and you, you realise how you actually work, you can apply that to situations where you know that I will always try and get it done as quickly as possible and just get the job done kind of thing, which in some cases organising some menial tasks for school things, rosters, all that kind of stuff, really beneficial for me to be doing it, whereas Talon might want to consider every way of doing the roster or, or whatever, and maybe that's not the best option, but when we're looking at larger group projects or whatever, it's sometimes better to stop and think. And I think it was really beneficial for us to know, right, this is actually how we work, and it's not actually our flaws, it's actually our strengths. And that way we could work really well as a team together and get the best out of all situations. I know we didn't do any profiling with anybody else in your leadership team, so your house captains or anything like that. Given some of that knowledge, how did you, Talem, see people within that team and that house captains group that you guys were leading specifically? How did that change your approach with any of them or learn a little bit more about them or take a different view on how they may have reacted in a certain way? Yeah, so we had four houses and each house had two captain, one male, one female. In all honesty, I think Rob and I predicted who was going to get those positions and we were pretty close with the end result. So it's not up to us to get them to work together because they have their role and we have our role. But in saying that, we can notice from the outside, like we can watch from the outside in as to how they work together and we could clearly notice that by the end who was working well together as a team, who was overly dominant whilst the other one would just kind of say yes okay or they would just kind of step over them they had no say whilst others just could never agree on something they would always have different perspectives and then we had one group that there would be one person doing all the work in the role whilst the other one wouldn't be pulling their weight but the one wasn't strong enough or confident enough to approach that or to bring up that inconvenience in the team relationship so yeah, we kind of observed it all and you suggested to us we do a feedback session which Rob and I did to each other and we found that very beneficial and I think they did as well because we got great feedback from that afterwards saying they kind of cleared the air between that team cohesion saying, okay, you need to pick this up. It'll be really helpful. Now, they would, sometimes they understood. They said, yeah, I, I agree. Other times they would be like, oh, okay, I actually didn't know that. Noticed, like, thank you for telling me. Whilst other times I'd say, you know what, you've been doing this really well. Like you've done a great job on this and it's a great confidence boost for them and it makes them want to work harder. So we've seen it all. Robert, how is feedback, looking at yourself yep. first and foremost, how did that feedback process help you become a better leader, do you think? I think that, yeah, the feedback that Talm and I did between each other, I think was really beneficial 
there were no major things, you know, that we were either I was being overly dominant or Talon was bossing me around. Or there was nothing like that. It was more some things we did more on a subconscious level that was really beneficial for us to realise what we were doing because sometimes you don't realise some of the things you're doing. You're not doing it on purpose. And especially for me, it's A, a learning opportunity to learn more about yourself and B, for me and for us together to both work better together and be a better leader, which I think it's really important and was beneficial. I want to ask you this, Robert, first of all. Yep. Based on the, the year that you've had and the reflection, what would you say is Talem's single biggest leadership strength? I think her biggest leadership strength is probably the way she works with the cohort. She doesn't, not clean up after me, but there's a lot of instances where, especially from learning more about ourselves, we'd know, right, well, this situation, you know, it's probably better if Talem goes off and deals with it or I go and do it or whatever. But I think Talem's, yeah, bigger strength is, is working with everyone. And I think compassion is not the best word, but showing a bit more compassion and some instances where the more direct approach isn't the best approach. So I think that's probably her biggest strength. Talem, how about you? What would you say is Robert's biggest leadership strength that you saw through the year? I would say assertiveness. Why I would say that is, like I said before, he makes sure the job will be done. Even if that sometimes means a corner needs to be cut or a hard decision needs to be made, it will be made to get the job done. And like you said, sometimes it's not always the best decisions made. It could be approached in a better way, but definitely getting the job done and his assertiveness in his role. So let's look at the flip side of this again. We always love to do that. This again. (laughs) So... Talem, putting you on the spot, Robert's going to have a little bit of time to think about it, I suppose. What would you say over the course of this year is an area where Robert could make some improvements that would really help his leadership? I don't want to make him sound like he doesn't have a heart or anything, (laughs) but I think just considering our cohort as people, you know, I think some emotion could be put into his role, if that makes sense, because... Like we've been saying, I'm a bit more of the compassion side. I feel like he can consider people's emotion and also hear their perspective a bit more. So be a little bit more open-minded in the way we approach things in the role. Robert, now's your chance, mate. What would you say to Taylor? What sort of feedback would you give her around an area that you feel that could help enhance her leadership approach? I think sometimes overstressing and overcomplicating some situations, which I think we already know anyway from our leadership profiles and the work we've done together, but sometimes some stress over things that don't need to be stressed over. Sometimes, you know, the little things that in some cases don't matter, there's some that are more focused on. And in some instances, it's just better to, to move on and keep going rather than keep stopping to worry about the very small things, which from my point of view, don't matter sometimes. Well done, guys. It's very pleasing for me to sit here because I know how uncomfortable that was the first time. I'm not saying it wasn't uncomfortable just then, but you guys did it so much more easily and the relaxed approach you guys take and they're just fist bumping here at the moment. So well done, guys. (laughs) Great teamwork. Great teamwork. Talem, what did you guys do well this year? What do you think you guys did well as a unit? Oh, I could name quite a few things, Brendan. I think we did a really good job, in all honesty. 
we had received also a lot of feedback from teachers, parents and students and obviously the um, higher ranking staff at school that we had been doing a really good job. And that's obviously good to hear because then we know we can keep doing what we're doing. I don't think we received any complaints, which is great. We really utilised our cohort. We built a relationship with our cohort, you know. And also I found that our roles, when we found out we got our positions, it didn't change our attitude. We didn't have the mindset of, look, I'm captain. You have to do what I say. Like, I'm higher ranking than you. You've got nothing on me. You know what I mean? We did not have that attitude at all. We kept modest the way that we should approach any situation thinking the same way that any other person in our grade would that further allowed us to reach out to other grades in the school because every year I know in the interviews and I know both Rob and I and our head prefect interviews we were asked what is something you want to change within the school community and we both said cohesion and I kid you not every person this year said cohesion and they just want a wider spread of connection within each level of school and the levels of school is you have your junior school middle school and senior school so we achieved that this year so we achieved a goal that everyone has been trying to do year after year and I think that was definitely through our relationship like building the relationship between the cohort first and then working our way throughout the school because we had that relationship people were comfortable to reach out to us so if they had a opinion or if they had something they thought could change in the school, an initiative that could improve the school, they would be happy to let us know and then we could action that. So we could get a lot done because it's better to work as a team. More brains are better than one. So it works. You've got all these different perspectives, all these different minds that can work together to build one big, awesome solution. And Robert, what do you think you guys could have done better? I think where we could have improved throughout our journey, I think was definitely in the beginning. We made... I think a lot of mistakes. I mean, you always make mistakes throughout a journey. So building on from what Talem said is that we built a lot of relationships, but in the beginning we spent a lot of time making the mistakes building those relationships. And I think as well we never worked with a group, such a large group, like Talem had worked with the netball team and whatever and swimming and I'd worked with my crew of production people and that kind of stuff. But we'd never been the captains of a whole school and had our whole cohort to manage and you know we had the house captains to work with and you know give them responsibilities within their own houses and we'd sort of been the sole leader of you know a team of 10 or 20 and it was now we were the leader of 100 if not 1300 students plus we had the house captains you know to help us out and work with their respective houses so we sort of had a chain of command sort of thing that we weren't used to working with and and leading like that and I think that early on we kind of did some things how looking back on it we'd say probably wasn't the best idea to work that way but at the same point we learned from that very quickly and I think that there were some areas that we could have originally done a bit better but quite quickly we were going from stride to stride and making doing really good things. Yeah we very quickly learned from our mistakes in the beginning because obviously we, we that's when we were learning each other like that's how we were learning how each other worked together so once we established our relationship then we could move on because we had such a high ranking set of authority that we weren't used to and we just had to get used to it we had to speak to the whole student body and then a whole school so it got a bit of taking used to give us a little bit of detail around the errors that you felt you made 
So I think originally between the two of us, it's definitely Monero more on my part. <laughs> but I think learning It's always to, the guys. <laughs> yeah, I know. You'll learn you've already learned that. Yeah. <laughs> and even if you didn't, it's still your fault. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh I think once again we'd always been in positions where we were the leader. You know, it was sort of leading a small group and whatever and you'd always just work on your own and you'd go and make decisions and you'd you were always doing small things, but it was your show kind of thing. And I think very early on, I know I made the mistake of even the small things, it was still worth we needed to work as a team. Me we being that very quickly. Me being direct and wanting to get the job done, organizing a group chat with a small roster in it needed consultation apparently. No, no, no. Learn things. Hear me out. So we had to obviously get our ro- the roster going for the duties. That was the very first task we had as head prefects. Which I was getting done nice and quickly. Yes. But there was a big gap in this very quickly laid out plan in Rob's plan. Because usually, like, like I said, two brains are better than one. And Rob kind of took it upon himself to get it all done. And I had no problem with that. If he wants to get it done, you can get it done. But... It's just always good to let the other person know what you're doing, when you're going to post it, when are we going to make it public, remember the due dates, this, like now, all this and that. To always have that constant communication because it could almost definitely always will be one thing that you're missing that the other person will remind you about. So like in this instant, I saw the roster that Rob had posted onto the chat and I had looked at it and there was all these tiny little errors here and there that that sparked such confusion within the cohort. So it just was just chaos. It was utter chaos within the chat. And I got so furious at Rob because it just, it could have been avoided very easily if he just had consulted me or just flicked me through an email that I could read within 10 minutes. I could get back to him. We could have posted it and problem averted. (laughs) But we, but we learned it quickly. So I had a little crack at Rob, had my spiel at him, let it all out. He was like, okay, I understand where you're coming from. Let's not do this again. We fixed it and it's, we've moved on. No hard feelings. So in that great example, what is it that you wish you had prior to you guys being school leaders and head prefects that potentially may have been able to help you not have to make that sort of mistake? Well, for myself, if I had more experience with working with such a mass group of people to lead them, it would be a lot more helpful. Rob mentioned before we both have only worked with like my netball team would be 10 girls I've got my swimming club which is quite large but I mean you still have your coaches your parents and everything like you're not solely there yourself so I had never had such a large group of people that were answering to me so I had to always be on the ball I had to know what's happening all the time know the details as well because the questions that are asked you can't be like I don't know then who else are they going to ask? The question's not answered. You where they go to. And then once you say, I don't know, then they kind of lose that trust within you and they won't, they won't come to you as often because they're like, oh, Tay wouldn't know or Rob wouldn't know. Don't ask them. We picked it up later on. Like we said, we made those hiccups at the beginning and we learned from our mistakes very quickly because you have to. It's not that one mistake and you've got ages to figure it out or fix it. Like you're going to have something coming up the next week. So I would definitely say working with a really large, with a large group of people like we are now earlier on so we could get used to the habits and the way of dealing with the different situations. What about for you, Robert? Is there anything different that you felt could have aided your better handling of a situation like that? I think having leadership opportunities, you know, we've all, you've always worked in a leadership, you've had leadership teams and whatever, but, you know, working with a partner 
who's on like the same level as you to lead a group, having a partner to learn to lead with was something that we had to do. Our interview will continue after this. An expression of gratitude or reciprocity, no matter how large or small, is an important part of a healthy culture and relationships. Our friends at Jangler have a great app that allows you to send a gift card with a personal video, voice message or funny gif. You can send right away or schedule to send on the perfect day and time. Set and forget. I like that. I have found it perfect for clients, employees, birthdays or any celebration where I can't be there in person. It's quick, easy to send and you can spend instantly in store or online when you receive a card. Check it out at jangler.com.au. What about the speaking opportunities that have come from your role? Talking to large groups of people. Taylor, I know you were quite anxious about that sort of stuff in the early days. It's not something you've done a lot of. Tell us a little bit about your feelings around that from in the early days to how you feel about that now. Of course. So... I've never had a problem with speaking in front of a large large crowd or like if you've got a class assessment, you know, you have to do a speech or a presentation. I've never had a problem with that because I would know I'm always prepared. And I, also on the sporting field, I always have to perform in front of a crowd. You know, it's not something, it's, that's not something that's new. I've, I've dealt with it my, whole, my entire life. So it's not, I'm, I'm used to it. I'm fine with that. But the thing that I really struggled with is being put on the spot. Because obviously in our role, it wasn't anything to do with sport or a presentation, you would say. It was more so you're doing a speech, you're doing an introduction, you're going to be introducing, like you're introducing a a speaker, you have to give a blurb, you could be emceeing, you have to be reading off a run sheet, things like that, that was, that got to me because I'm not a very strong reader. I've mentioned before, but I've got dyslexia and it's been something I've struggled with for a long time. That's in, in, especially in English in school, obviously. So reading is actually quite a big difficulty for me and I have glasses, but I wouldn't wear them on stage. So that makes it a little bit harder, you know, (laughs) I have improved immensely in that field and Rob's nodding his head because he can tell because at the very beginning, we would have to speak in front of the entire school. For assembly and that would be either on the fortnightly and also on the weekly but I remember I would always before we st- and we used to still do it before we ever do a presentation a speech anything would both read through our scripts to each other because I would go through it read 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 and I'll get to a word I'd be like Rob can you pronounce this for me how do I say this name properly all this and that then I'll kind of write it down on the sheet the way that I can understand then I just have that sigh of relief that I'm okay I know what I'm doing I know how to read, like I can pronounce these words properly. Now just reading through it once, get it in my head and then off you go. Whilst before I would be very nervous. And Rob, how about yourself? I know you've been involved in debating over the years, but how has the experiences of talking regularly, sometimes prepared, sometimes unprepared in front of large groups, how has that improved your own communication and your speaking skills? Yeah, so as you said, you know, I've always been involved and I've done a lot of debating and public speaking so and especially with debating with the past few years was impromptu so thinking on the spot and not having a lot of time to prepare and all that kind of stuff I was kind of used to but in the same sense it was a a different kind of speaking that you'd do a school captain it wasn't a, a 
persuasive speech or, you know, a funky topic for public speaking. It was the impromptus welcoming someone or inviting someone up to talk or reading through a run sheet or emceeing an event or whatever that you don't really get a lot of experience to practice with. So it was definitely a learning opportunity for me to further be able to hone my skills and think on the spot and be able to just get up and talk on your feet, which was, I think, really beneficial. I want to talk about your teachers. I know that through the conversation I've had with you guys that they've helped you a lot through in the year and that's obviously really important. I don't want to go on to that. I just want to ask you guys each, if there was something that you wish the teacher or teachers could have helped you with prior to coming into this role or even during the year, what would that have been for you, Robert? I think because we'd always, in the preparation of becoming prefects and all that kind of stuff at school, there's all we had a few like leadership training days and public speaking training workshops and everything, but the public speaking that we kind of did was different to anything you've ever been trained to and the leadership skills was something you'd always, was not what we really got trained to do. So I think something a bit more based on head prefect experiences, training, something like that. I think even working with a head prefect for a couple of days or something like that to, I think, A, know what you're in for, to be able to give you the opportunity to prepare for that, you know, prepare for the the speeches, the emceeing in front of the whole school and that kind of stuff, you know, just before someone gets up on stage, the change of the name of the musical item, that kind of stuff that you really don't get to prepare for and really any other opportunities I think that's probably something that would be beneficial. Talem how about yourself is there anything that you wish that the teachers really could have helped you with either previously or through the year that really would have been advantageous to your leadership? I don't have anything that I wish they would have done because a lot of the things that I hope they had of they did I found because that's just in my personal opinion because I thought the teachers were very supportive. Obviously, certain teachers here and there, like obviously not everyone. We had reached out out to teachers quite often or staff, especially the media department. And they were always ready to help us. They were ready to take anything on board. They would be giving us the advice back saying, oh, I don't think we can do that within our school. Like it could be regulations and all this and that. Or I know that if we had a question or you had a... uh, query about something that we had an idea about initiative we would go ask one of the teachers that we're close to or we got a good relationship or are happy to help and they'll point us in the right direction so we knew where to go we'll go approach the next person they would be happy to help if not pass us on to the next person it was never really a dead end I feel like they always wanted to provide us with the resources that we we required because they wanted just to help us be our best I think another thing in terms of support from the teachers and the staff at the school I think we found we got a lot more support from where we didn't expect it, you know, from your classroom teachers, the media department, that kind of the admin staff, that kind of stuff that you didn't expect it from. And we got less support from the higher ups of the school who we were technically reporting to and they were technically supposed to work with us the most. And I think we found we got a lot of our help from our classroom teachers or whatever who we got to develop personal, close personal relationships over the years. And I think from the higher-ups of the school, not in all cases, but in a lot of cases is where that we could have got more support some of the time, especially some people at the very top. We could have 
we would have thought we would have liked to have more interaction with and more support from them. Yeah, I 100% agree with Rob because, like you said, we're reporting to them. Technically speaking, that's their, they're our boss. So they would give us a task or anything like that. And we would have questions about it, but they would more be like, oh, very grey area, very up in the air. So we would kind of just take what they say, take it and run with it, make it into our own or get the job done, hand it back, and they'll be like, yeah, that's and fine. Go and- There's no guidance. They gave us no guidance at all. Whilst I think what we were used to was obviously the classroom environment where you're given a task and a set of rules. It's like an assessment task. You have a marking criteria. You've got to hit all the points to get all, all of the marks. If you want to get good marks, you've got to hit them all and do them to the best of your ability. On the other hand, when we were talking to the like heads of school, the people who were above us, they were more so, look, this is the end goal. We don't care how you get to it. Just get to it, you know? So I think a bit more guidance from them because also they know what we can and can't do whilst we actually don't. We don't know what we can control within the school because, again, then again, we're only students, you know what I mean, whilst we're talking to teachers and staff and everyone – not everyone can access certain things within the school community. Like there was one situation we wanted to, we were talking about finance and because of like raising funds for a charity and we didn't know who to talk to because we obviously don't have any rights to be going through any finance within such CCGS, like our school. And we can't just go like saying, oh, we'll just allocate money from this budget or something. Yeah. You know, we, we can't do that. Yeah, uh, it's not, it's not we can't, we're not allowed to do that. Like we don't have the authority to do that. So that guidance, I liked how they gave us leniency. So don't get me wrong on that. Leniency was great, but a little bit more guidance to have a bit more of a clearer path would have been awesome, which is what we received from the staff, the ones that we had built our relationship with because they had a bit more pathways that could open up for us and giving us the ideas. They had a bit more knowledge for the questions that we would have, like who do we need to speak to for the finance, who are the finance team. We'll have a word with them saying what we can and can't do, what are we allowed to do. And how is that experience or that desire to have that guidance, how do you think that's impacted or going to impact your future leadership? Well, I've taken a mental note that that it's always important the experiences that we've had communicating to such a large group is it's always important to have clear communication from the very beginning the mistake that we made was we had gaps within our communication the first time the first task that we had and that just caused utter chaos and it's just a absolute pain to kind of reset it because the confusion just expands honestly like you won't believe but if you have everything laid out like dot point clear as day everything in one place one spot or one as simple as one text message but it doesn't mean if it looks like an essay you've gotten it out there people need to know the important key information no waffle no waffling in that i think that clear communication is so so important robert it sounds like your no waffling approach is rubbing off on taylor what are your thoughts around what we've just spoken about so i think that one thing we learned is that as taylor said it was nice to be really flexible and have the opportunity to do what we wanted to in a lot of cases but there were sometimes I know there was one instance where we approached for some help from higher up and we kind of got told you go sort that out for yourself kind of stuff but the whole point of us going to ask was to ask about what we were getting told to go and find out about you could see they were trying to say well you know you take this upon yourself and you go and sort it out but there are some cases where you actually wanted to look for the answers but We'd kind of come up and said, well, we don't really want to know what's going on here because that's really not – we haven't had experience in this. What 
would your advice be for us to do this? And I think one key takeaway, I think, is to know what your role is as someone who's leading and someone who's seeking some advice from you and to kind of get into their shoes or sort of know the situation that they're in so you can be able to guide them and help them out more without, A, doing it all for them or, B, you know, not being a bit dismissive in where they're coming for advice. It's just important to know the situation matters to where, you know, you're trying to give out advice and give feedback and and be supportive. There are other cases where we'd kind of just ask for some guidance somewhere and things would get done for us and we'd think, well, that's not really what we wanted. And in other cases, you know, what we wanted was some answers and we were kind of just got told to find the answers and come back. In the end, all we want to do is deliver the best possible outcome for the person that we're working with who's given us the job. And the way you do that is asking questions, is finding out certain characteristics as to what they want to be achieved. And then we can take that base product and then expand on that. So if we have those base products, we can then use our brains and all the relationships that we've built within the school community to expand that, make it better, get a different opinion, take a different perspective, and then make it into what we believe could be the best end goal to then present to them, obviously. But sometimes when that base product is a bit muffled, it's not really set in stone, it's too lenient to really be given to someone. That's where I think we would struggle. Sometimes I actually don't think the people that were taught, like the hierarchy, like the people above us who were talking to didn't even know the end product themselves. So they didn't even have it set in stone. They didn't have their ba- their base rules before they're given to us. So we were just kind of thrown under the bus a few times. But, you know, you make it work. And I guess if you're put in that situation, what they get sometimes is either going to be better than their expectations, which a lot of the time it was for us. We did do more than we should have. Whilst other times it would be set in stone, you've got clear instructions or you've got a clear guidance as to what they would like. We can then expand on that. And if we do expand on it, they acknowledge it and say, that was actually a good job. Like, I like what you did with this. Or it's kind of like, oh, I think we might take that out, actually. It wouldn't quite work with what I'm going with. And we don't take offence to it, you know. It's not what they asked. We just thought this could be a good addition. So we always just work around it. But it's so much, so much easier and better when we have a basis rules as to what the end goal should be because that's all we want we want it to be the best it can be with that experience and these experiences that you've had shared today what advice have you given the next leaders of central coast grammar school what advice would you give them and any young leader out there for that matter that will you think will really help them be the best leader the best school leader that they can be robert i think the number one is communication we mentioned that quite a lot to the next head prefects when we met with them a few weeks ago. And that was the one thing that we constantly wanted to talk about was communication. I think that's really, whenever things didn't go quite to plan in things we were trying to achieve throughout the year, it always came back to most of the time communication, a communication breakdown, a maybe not the best method of communication, something to do with communication I think is the most important thing for, I think, any leader, but especially, you know, a school leader in a school environment with your peers to be very clear and concise in how you communicate and what you're communicating. What about from your side, Taylor? 
Yeah, well, we actually had a little dinner date with the 2021 head prefects just to give them a rundown of what you should expect. And I think it went, was very beneficial because it kind of made us reflect as well. And also they were learning, they could ask us questions. But 100% communication is sitting very well on that list um, and number one. And then I would definitely say teamwork. Between us two, Rob and I, the teamwork that we've built, we couldn't have done it on our own honestly. So you need to work well with your partner because like in that job, they're literally your other half. It's not an individual job in everything that we did. I know like if it's emails, if we're trying to get initiative done, it doesn't matter whose individual initiative it was. We communicate it as we. So it's always a combined job or a combined initiative, a combined task. Even though one individual could be doing it, one of us could only, like only one of us could be doing it. It's always we. Also, I would say trust, building trust between each other and the cohort, because if you have trust that builds the relationship, so having and then fourth, the relationship that you built within your leadership team, because if you have a strong relationship with your team, then they have trust in you. If they have trust in you, they will communicate with you. And that's how you build your teamwork, like your team environment. They all work hand in hand. I would say those four, those are the very, I think on my list at least. Top four. Robert, what are you most proud of that you guys have achieved together and with the cohort this year? I think it wasn't necessarily an initiative we did or anything, but I think the way we connected and developed our cohort's cohesion and their strengths together, I think, was something. And I know it's been commented on a lot that we did good at. And I think that's something, I think that's the best thing. It's quite easy to, you know, install something in the school or you know get something up and running like an initiative or whatever but making a whole load of 17 and 18 year olds communicate and work well together is uh, not easy but I think we managed to do a pretty good job of that it was definitely made easier by us having a good cohort but I think a lot of that was down to us and how we developed our cohort so Taylor what are you most proud of okay I've got three things that I'm most proud of One is how far we have come. Us two working as a team, it blew my mind. I never thought it would be, we would work so well together. I definitely know I could never have done the job as well without Rob. Two is working through COVID because they are unprecedented times that we did not predict. So in all of our meetings and all that, well, halfway through the year when it hit, instead of kind of going with the first plan, you know, like, yep, set stone, done. It's more so, okay, wait, wait, wait. What if these regulations change? We've got to think of plan A, plan B, plan C. Plan Z. Z, yeah. A to Z, seriously. So that was really challenging. And because things had changed, that it would change on the daily, that means our plans would change on the daily. So the meeting that we had yesterday completely changed. We could have a new one. So it takes up a lot of our time. Also, the morale within the cohort dropped during COVID, like it would for anyone. I feel like we made the best out of a bad situation. So we still kept up with our assemblies. We still kept up with consistently building the relationship with our cohort, even though we weren't physically there to see them. Just little things here and there, like posting something on a messenger group chat or posting something on a fa- on Facebook or in my CCGS, or it could be an activity that we do. Uh, I feel like we just kept that engagement going. So we didn't lose that relationship. We didn't come back and we didn't have to reset. We kept it going. So I felt like that was a great achievement because it had, it's never been done before. 
we were making that up on the spot. Like we didn't have any guidance in that, you know? So we were experiencing it firsthand and just dealing it with it there and then. And then the third thing was I've mentioned before, every year, Rob and I both said it in our interviews is cohesion across the whole school, right? There's been cohesion within our cohort in year 11s, obviously, because they're pretty close within the grades, but there's never been a group, a club or a community, a smaller community within the school that involves students from the junior, middle and senior college. It's either one or two, never three. So Rob and I have been the first head prefects to actually engage this. So we came up with this initiative, which is a 10, you know, the 10 cent bottle returns Mm -hmm. to reduce the school's environmental footprint become more eco-friendly so this was also a very big challenge for us obviously because we had to get all three schools involved it was a huge task I understand why it hasn't been done before initially we thought oh it's not going to be too bad well we can get this done it should be like anything else you know we thought of it we can get it going like anything else but no 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 we were wrong that was a lot of hard work and we've now passed the baton on to uh, the year 11s because we've picked out two year 11s who are now year 12s to take this initiative from us. So they're now they're, they're the leaders of that initiative. And we have assigned teachers that control the environmental committee. They have actually named it now. It's a thing. It's an environmental committee at school. We've gotten blue bins put around. We've got notices put up to get awareness saying, if you've got a 10 cent bottle or from the canteen or from home, if you've got any from home, bring it in, chuck it in the blue bin and we'll put it towards a charity. We put a poll out to have three different charities and people chose, everyone from the school could, could choose so they could have their input. They felt like they have had their say within this initiative. So everyone felt included. And we had a lot of junior school kids very, very excited about the whole initiative and they come up with all these crazy ideas which obviously not are not all suitable like putting cctv cameras at every single bin making sure people are putting the right stuff in not like a banana peel but putting their bottles in but they're very eager which is what we want so we've we've created a small community of all different ages that each person can be used as a role model to grow off because they all have the same interest. It's all about making an environmental impact within our school community. And it's honestly, it has just blossomed. We handed it over now, but when it first started, it took a while to get up and running. Like people weren't putting the right things in the bin. People didn't know what it was, you know, et cetera, et cetera. We didn't have people willing to join the group that we were trying to get. But after a while, it's just grown so quickly. And I think that's something that I'm very proud of it at least because I'm also passionate about that and the fact that how many years the school's been going for that almost every year cohesion has been brought up we've been the first ones to actually action it. Taylor you mentioned COVID I wasn't going to make COVID a a big issue and I'm still not because it is it is just what it is Mm. but Robert if I can ask you one question around COVID and I will ask Taylor as well what has been the biggest challenge for you this year given the COVID situation? I think and Taylor's already touched on this a bit but the constant changing of things, it's constantly changing. I think that's been probably the biggest challenge in the sense that every time we'd go and, you know, we'd make plans, we'd try and organise things and, oh, no, we can't do that because... Or, you know, we organise something that's probably not as great with some people and then it's, oh, we can actually do this now and, you know, let's relook at this and suddenly we have to make some plans for the future and we, we don't know what to do, so we use you know, the regulations are at now and then, you know, new regulations come out and everyone's disappointed because, you know, we can't do what we can technically do anymore and 
all that kind of stuff. I think that's the constant changing nature of COVID and all the changing regulations constantly. I think that's been the biggest challenge. Is there anything else from you, Taylor, around the COVID situation and, and a different challenge? Yeah, there was just absolutely no stability. Everything that we had planned had just been thrown up in the air. And the things that we had planned, a lot of hard work and time had gone into that. So it was really hard to keep motivate, like motivated. Even in class too, my, I had no motivation. I was in my room with my laptop on my desk like 24-7, seven days a week. It was just, I wanted to get out. I was like, you know, I wasn't in a good mindset. I'm sure people were on the same boat because it's just everything's changing and a lot of people don't like change it's because it's hard to adapt to to keep people engaged in the activities that we had planned to lift their spirits you know to keep them involved within the cohort was very challenging so yeah the three things i would say is the engagement the no stability we're around it and the motivation i want to ask you guys around mum and dad i know you got different mum and dads so I'll ask you separately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. How has mum and dad been supportive for you? What's been important for that, Robert, for you? I think it's been immensely important. I think especially, you know, they've always been there to vent, which has been good. We've needed to do that a lot. You know, they've always just been there to support. I can't think of anything, like, specific that they've done, but I think they've always just been there and they've always been really supportive. And you know, they've always, you know, if I've... If we're struggling to come up with ideas for things or whatever, they're always there, you know, to discuss things with. And I think it would have been very difficult to have survived this year without them. Yeah, I think they've they've always just been there for support and for guidance and whatever, and it's been really crucial to the past year. And Talem, how about you? I know you're a you're a bit of a, a talker with mum and dad. I know that I haven't had the honour of actually meeting your parents, but I do appreciate the trust that your parents have put in me and having conversations with you. So how important has that support been for you? Oh, look, mum and dad's support, I've got no words for it because I honestly could not have made it through this job without them because I had never thought that I would actually get it. I never thought I'd hold such a high role because it's such an honour. It was a big shock in all honesty. And my mum was actually a head prefect of her school in South Africa. She was really, really proud and so was dad because he's a, actually a teacher at grammar and that was really helpful because Rob and I could use, like we could call upon him a lot. Yeah, so their support at home was amazing. But my family had a bit of a hiccup throughout the year and it's still ongoing. So it did make it a bit more challenging. It placed a lot more pressure on myself because I didn't want to place any more pressure on my family because they were already facing enough. At the beginning of the year, it was great that full support throughout the whole year but at the beginning it was really strong you know getting kicked up started and going but I think once I kind of got used to the role started knowing what I needed to be what needs to be done you know and growing in myself my confidence as well that's when the hiccup kind of hit and everything just kind of changed. What's next for you guys so you've finished school you've got this think further than schoolies only next week away as you said (laughs) but what's after schoolies for you Robert? So I'm hoping to go to the Defence Force next year and go to ADFA there and become an airfield engineer in the Air Force. So I've got through all the defence interviews and everything and I'm, I'm in on the Defence Force side so now it's got to wait for the ATAR to come out on the 18th of December to find out if I get into the uni part and then I'll hopefully be off there on the 15th of January. 
Taylor, how about you I'll after school? It. What's what's your next journey hold? Unlike Rob, I am going to take a gap year. And the reason being my thought behind it is I've had 13 years of schooling. I can take a year off <laughs> because the degree that I'm hoping to get is a four-year degree. So I just don't have the motivation. I don't have the mindset to go straight back into school. And I've got a lot of things that I want to do which I cannot do on top of school. So during the gap year, well, obviously I'll be training for swimming, seeing we'll see what I can really do, where that can take me. So I'll be doing that full time. But I've always wanted to learn sign language, right? And because I won't be in school, I won't be learning anything new within that gap year. I was looking at maybe taking a TAFE course in sign language for Ausland. And I looked into it to, for me to get my Cert 3, I think it was something like a year. So that works out perfectly and it's a really, really good skill to have for the job that I'm looking for. And I also am hoping to get into the fireys if I can make the cut. If not, I'll try again next year, but I'm going to do that this year and obviously just work like anyone else. Then in 2022, I will be, hopefully if I get the ATAR, I'll just defer if I do because I've got early entry. I'm hoping to go to ACU in Canberra and I'll train at the AIS for swimming there and do a Bachelor of Paramedicine and Nursing. So my ultimate goal in life that I've always wanted to do since a little girl was be a paramedic, but not just a generalised paramedic. I've always wanted to be a special operations paramedic. I'm just thinking if I've got the, and then I've got nursing under my belt too, if I can, maybe I can work in the ER, who knows. But I mean, if I've got sign language down pat, if I have some experience as a fiery very strong swimmer, hopefully I'm able to get a job as a paramedic and then work my way up to the special operations. Fantastic. Well, I have to say it's not surprising to me that both of you are destined for service. It's really been a a foundation of what I've had the privilege to learn about you guys over this year and obviously serving your school community and then going on to greater things in the service of country and people and helping other people. So certainly a good foundation of your own leadership development and skills. So well done. I want to thank you very much. This is your first podcast interview ever, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, it is. Well, thank you for honouring me with your presence. and right. for Thank you for having us. No, thank you, Brenda. Absolute pleasure. Look, I just want to say it has been a real honour and a privilege to spend some time with you guys this year. I've learned a lot. I hope you guys have learned a lot. You guys are impressive young people. Well done to Central Coast Grammar School and your parents, respectively, in in the people they've helped you become. Whatever you put your minds to and you've shared that, you guys will excel and do a fantastic job. So well done and thank you very much for being the first student guest on the Culture Things podcast. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. It's been an awesome experience. I want to thank Robert and Talem's parents, David and Samantha Bacon, and Robbie and Tanya Barnard for supporting this project. It was such an exciting experience being able to work with young leaders like Robert and Talem. They've had a crazy school year, but they never avoided their responsibilities. They showed up, took it all in their stride, and achieved something that had never been achieved before. Cohesion across the junior, middle and senior school with their environmental project. They achieved this whilst many businesses struggled with cohesion, with people working remotely. Perhaps we can learn a thing or two about resilience and adaptability from these young leaders. 
Robert and Talem shared some valuable lessons during this interview, which they learned from experience during their year as school captains of Central Coast Grammar School. These were my three key takeaways from my conversation with Robert and Talem. My first key takeaway. Self-awareness is a basis for leadership development. To support increased self-awareness, we used the DIS profiling tool. There was also the opportunity for Robert and Talem to give each other regular feedback. Both of these assisted with a greater level of self-awareness. This was a basis for their leadership development. My second key takeaway. Teams must be aligned, otherwise confusion reigns. Robert and Talem shared their experience about their first task of arranging a roster. I should say there were approximately 70 students they needed to coordinate with, so no small feat. They learnt quickly that if they weren't aligned and working as a team, then it can create mass confusion, which needed a lot of cleaning up. As a team, take the time to get aligned. It is time well spent. My third key takeaway. Great leaders leave a great legacy. The environmental project is something that Robert and Talem are very proud of. The project alone isn't their legacy. Their legacy is the fact that they created a succession plan and handed on the baton to the 2021 leaders. The example and precedent set is that the 2021 leaders will hand over to the 2022 leaders and so forth. The sign of great leaders is the great legacy they leave behind. So in summary, my three key takeaways were Self-awareness is a basis for leadership development. Teams must be aligned, otherwise confusion reigns. Great leaders leave a great legacy. Congratulations to Sonia Kavanagh for winning last week's Jangler competition. She chose the Jangler $30 gift card to event cinemas that she and her husband Greg are looking forward to using during the Christmas holiday period. I believe they're going to see the new Wonder Woman movie. Have fun, guys. This week's question is, what was the type of environmental project that Robert and Talem led across the school? To win this week's $30 Jangler gift card of your choice, be the first to send the correct answer to brendan at brendanrogers.com.au. Good luck. Thank you for listening. Stay safe. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Culture of Things podcast with Brendan Rogers. Please visit brendanrogers.com.au to access the show notes. If you love the Culture of Things podcast, please subscribe, rate and give a review on Apple Podcasts. And remember, a healthy culture is your competitive advantage.